People of Note on Fine Music Radio is proudly brought to you each week at this time by Peter Turin Productions. This is Music Radio. Rodney Trudgeon welcoming you to this week's edition of People of Note. And there's a wonderful nautical feel to today's interview because my guest is Tracy Edwards, MBE, a British sailor. And in 1989, she skippered the first all-female crew in the Whitbread Round the World Yacht Race, becoming the first woman to receive the Yachtsman of the Year trophy and then was appointed MBE. She's also written two books about her experiences. She's regarded as a highly competent and resourceful leader, manager, project professional, fundraiser, team builder, event organizer, motivational speaker, presenter and writer with over 30 years experience. I think I'll stop now, Tracy. It's welcome, welcome. Well, I feel exhausted. <laughs> Just listening to that. <laughs> Tracy, first of all, I'd like to know why you're in Cape Town, but welcome, welcome to Fine Music Radio and to Cape Town. Thank you very why much. Why are you here? Well, I'm here with my yacht Maiden. Uh, so Maiden first sailed around the world with an all-female crew in 89-90 in the Whitbread Around the World race. Actually, I initially bought Maiden from Cape Town. Uh, she was called Prestige, and she was owned by a nutty solo South African sailor called Bertie Reed. <laughs> we know Bertie Reed very well. A legend. Very well a legend, indeed. A legend in his oh, own so he owned time. it. He owned her as a previ- uh, you know, in a previous car- carnation. She yes. is her, yeah. And actually, I sailed on the 85-86 Whitbread Round the World race on a boat called Atlantic Privateer, which was the South African entry with a total bunch of reprobates, learned everything I needed to know about sailing around the world, and then bought um, what was she was called Prestige and turned her into Maiden. She then did the 89-90 race with the first all-female crew. I sold her at the end of the race, and then I found her um, in a terrible state in 2014, and I rescued her and bought her again. Oh, that's a lovely part of the story, isn't it? (laughs) It's a real full circle, this story. And we restored her uh, to her former glory. And then we decided what we would like to do with her is we had two passions, really, which was one was inspiring girls into sailing and showing them what they can do. And girls' education. I'm passionate about girls' education. 130 million girls around the world currently don't have that human right. Of course. 130 million. Yeah. And it's increasing. It's not decreasing. Uh, So unfortunately, after the pandemic, the group of children least likely to return to education are girls and girls in poverty, especially. And of course, with the situation in Afghanistan now, we have another, you know, few million girls chucked out of school, which is so it's an appalling situation. So we raise funds and awareness for girls' education. Uh, we have outreach programs, um, maiden sales around the world. We go into a destination. We engage with schools and girls and organisations, charities. And we raise uh, we raise a lot of funds and we fund girls' educational programs all over the world. And Maiden has just arrived in Cape Town. <laughs> I feel like going to have a look. Why aren't we doing this interview on the ship? <laughs> well, you should be. <laughs> <laughs> on the yacht. You said we. Now, who is we? Or are you using the royal 
No, no, I'm not using the royal we. We have another all-female crew. They are here, actually in Cape Town at the moment. We're down at the Victoria and Albert docks, just outside the Table Bay Hotel where we're parked. Uh, So we have an all-female crew. I would say it's probably roughly the the same age that we were 33 years ago when we did what we did. I have to say they're better than us. They're more qualified than us. They're more confident than us. You know, they really (laughs) have taken women's sailing, you know, forward a a giant leap. Are they from different countries? From different countries. Um, We have three young ladies from South Africa on the boat, which is fantastic as apprentices and they will they will hopefully be able to use their experience on maiden we this is another thing that we do we have young women on maiden who want to build up their miles and uh, hopefully get good jobs mm. in the maritime industry. Um, we have a couple of Americans, we have a couple of Brits. We did have a French lady on board and we, I mean we've had women from all over the world. We've actually had 100 women through the maiden program good having heavens. sailed on maiden. Yeah. So, in fact, you're not racing at the moment. You're going around. And how do you choose which port to go to? Well, our sponsor, DP World, is not only the world's largest logistics company, but they own 70% of the world's ports. So uh, before the pandemic, we were just sort of going around calling into places. Uh, Now we're a little bit more structured because, of course, we get to go into the ports uh, that they own, which makes a huge difference to us, logistics and all the things that we need to make happen. I mean, it's a huge operation and we're a tiny team. (laughs) (laughs) But presumably, after all this time together out there on the ocean, a very closely knit team and you would need to be, wouldn't you? Are you skippering the, the yacht? I'm not. I have a back injury from, um, actually not from sailing, from riding. Um, Horse riding. Yes, I managed to sail all the way around the world three times without any injury. And then a horse kicked (laughs) me in the base of my spine. Um, But my time is done. I have my time on Maiden. I'm very happy to leave that where it is. And my joy and what I really love doing is enabling young people to do what I was very fortunate uh, to be able to do. And I live vicariously through my team. Okay. Well, I mean, you are out there for long stretches of time, aren't you? And so, as I said, you need to get on well, first of all, and also have the same sort of vision, which I presume you all do have. Absolutely. And it's an interesting point because, of course, when we were racing around the world on Maiden, our vision was to win. Mm -hmm. The vision has changed slightly now, although they can't, you you can't take going fast out of a sailor. So they're always trying to get everywhere very quickly. (laughs) And sometimes we have to say, you're too early, slow down. But of course, the mission for them, the goal is, and they're all very passionate about this, is inspiring girls, not Mm -hmm. just to go sailing, but to understand that they can do anything that they set their minds to and and how important education is. I was expelled from school when I was 15. And it, Naughty. I know, but I was very, oh, <laughs> you have no idea. Uh, <laughs> I, yes. So, you know, I mean, you always get the bright spot. I do talks at school and there's always a bright spot that goes, uh, Miss, do you think you were successful because you were expelled? And I'm always very careful to go, no, I was successful despite not having a, a, a good education. Yes. You know, education, I think, is the most important thing. And we can't have 50% of the world's population not educated properly. You know, we're, we're passionate about this goal. We're very focused on it because we think that that's what is going to save the planet. Absolutely. But now your first piece of music is some ballet music from the Nutcracker, the Bolts of the Flowers. And I read somewhere that you actually wanted to become a ballet dancer when you were young. Is that true? I trained. I trained to be a dancer. Oh, did you actually yes, train? Yes, I went to a school called Arts Educational School. My mother was a dancer. Um, she was a professional dancer. She danced all over the world. 
and um, I guess I thought I was going to follow in her footsteps. I'm not. A, I wasn't as good as her, um, <laughs> but I did go to arts educational school, and every year they would come to the school to pick the children for the ballet, the Nutcracker Suite, to perform over Christmas, and. Also for me, it has this particular piece of music, not only I think is the most beautiful piece of music ever written, I mean, I think hands down. I can think about this piece of music and it makes me cry just thinking about it. Um, It's just got, it for me just has everything that I like in a piece of music. And for me also, my father loved it and my father when we were very young i mean we i'm not sure we were that appreciative at the time but you know up until he died when i was 10 but you know sort of in my formative years he would sit us down and we would listen to classical music and he would explain it to us and who this is and where they came from and why it was written and that was how lucky to have that you know that that gift mm-hmm. uh, and this was one of his particular favorites
Waltz of the Flowers from the Nutcracker Ballet by Tchaikovsky. Certainly one of the great waltzes that Tchaikovsky wrote for the three ballets. And as you heard, a great favorite of my guest, who is Tracy Edwards, MBE. I like putting the MBE on, Tracy, <laughs> who's in Cape Town with her yacht maiden and an all-woman crew. And as you hear, fascinated by education. We said that you wanted to become a ballet dancer. Then I read somewhere that you were expelled and you went backpacking across Europe at the age of 16. Is this part of your naughtiness of youth, the madness of youth? Well, it was really. And, and this is something I also emphasize when I speak to young people. You know, life can sometimes be a bit messy. And, you know, I mean, I do go to talks, inspirational talks, where people say I knew what I wanted to do when I was 10 and I did it. And I'm like, oh, OK, well, I don't find that very inspirational. So my father died when I was 10 and my mother remarried a man who, uh, well, we let's say we just didn't get on very well. Um, uh, we had a very actually physically violent relationship. and You um, and he? We did, yes. Including you know, I mean, your mother? Well, no, my mum didn't really kn- know what was going on. Oh, gosh, um, and we sure. fell out for a number of years over it because I... I couldn't work out why she wasn't telepathic and couldn't see that it was going on because I didn't tell her. Mm. But anyway, so I was expelled from school. I stole a car. I was arrested. Um, I love it. I, I mean, no, was, I don't love it. Well, no, I was, I was escaping <laughs> from my bedroom window at two o'clock in the morning and doing all sorts of unmentionable things. And I think, you know, it was my mother's, my mother was an extraordinary woman and her amazing courage and understanding of my needing to not be there I think you know and and instead of saying to me oh I've got to get you back into a school or you know we've got to she said look you you have got to find the thing that you're good at she said I think that's where your path lies and I mean I think it was incredibly as I say courageous of her to let me go backpacking at the age of 16 I mean I think of my daughter at the age of 16 I wouldn't (laughs) let her walk to the corner shop on her own you know and so but she understood I needed to be somewhere else and mm-hmm. find me and uh, get away from the situation that I was in. And uh, and so I went backpacking to Greece, ended up working in a bar. And a, literally a guy walked in. And this is how lucky my life has been. A guy walked into the bar one night. He was the skipper of a luxury charter yacht. I could see these luxury charter yachts in, in the... At this point, you hadn't thought about sailing. No. no. I mean, I'm not particularly... The furthest thing from your mind. Not particularly fond of water, if I'm honest. Um, and I know I get seasick. So uh, not really something I was thinking about. But, you know, I didn't like the bar that I was working in. And I was 17 years old. My life was going nowhere. I had no qualifications, no exams, nothing really to focus on. And he walked into the bar and he said to me, Miss Edwards, would you like to change your life? I mean, I'd met him on a few occasions. And I said, well, if it's better than working in this bar, yes. He said, my stewardess has left. We've got a charter coming up. How do you fancy, you know, working as a stewardess? So, you know, on a luxury yacht on a luxury yacht in the in the Mediterranean. So, you know, in true 17 year old style, I went, "Mm, yeah, okay, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right. Uh, Yeah, fine. Um, (laughs) Literally four days later, we sailed the boat to Rhodes to pick up our first charter. And in those four days, I knew that that was what I wanted to do with the rest of my life, which is pretty lucky at the age Gosh, of in 17. in four days? Yeah. Oh. Wow. And for it me, must have had a huge impact on you then. It did. It wasn't really the ocean or the sailing initially. It was the people. Mm. I had spent my whole life thinking I was weird. And I didn't get most people. Most people didn't get me. I was felt as if I was on the outside looking in. There's never really... I always seem to be a bit behind everyone else with getting stuff. And um, and these people were my people. 
these are the people I'd spent 17 years of my life looking for. This was my tribe. My and goodness. this this gaggle of misfits. <laughs> <laughs> and that's really what drew me to it. You know, this acceptance of me in all my, you know, unfinished weirdness and imperfections. And, you know, we were all very much of that ilk. And, the, the, you know, the whole thing of being part of a team and learning and experiencing. And, and also, this was very interesting. I used to walk down a beach and think of the sea as the end. You know, so it's the end of the land. It's the, that's the finish. And, of course, you go sailing and it's the beginning. Yes, it's exactly. the opening. It's the other way around almost. The, the land is the end. Absolutely. It's the absolute opposite. Yeah. And for me, yeah. that felt so wonderful. So... This is access to all the countries of the world, obviously, that you can get to by sea. But it was that incredible sensation of freedom. My and um, yeah. How did you cope with the seasickness? Oh, well, you know, I still get seasick. So puke oh, up you? over the side and get on with it. I mean, <laughs> we've tried various things. I have to say Stugron is, is the thing that probably works the best with me. And believe me, I did try everything. Um, you know, at one point, because I'm a navigator. Mm. And being down below with seasickness is the, the worst. worst. Yes, the worst. So literally had a bucket next to me, um, not to put too fine a point on it. And um, Very brave, you know, you actually. Get on with it. Because seasickness makes you feel so awful. Oh, it's awful. awful. It's awful. The, my best, the best description of seasickness is, first of all, you're afraid you're going to die. Then you're afraid you're not going to die. <laughs> <laughs> yes. How true, actually. <laughs> I always get sick on the first night of a cruise, and I love great big cruise ocean liners. I always get sick. You're down in your cabin getting dressed for dinner, and you think, oh, dear, here Ooh, we go. Oh, yeah. Cruise ships is a very weird sensation. But, you, I mean, I have to say, I mean, two or three days in, I'm fine. Mm -hmm. It's probably like you. It's that yes. first initial, just getting used to that That's movement. That's right. Usually by the next morning, if I take an injection of one of those pills, Stergeron, I'm fine. I, st I will get sick, but I'll be fine yeah. the next morning, halfway yeah. through the next morning. Gosh. And so this was then the start of your great life, your new life, yes. this little trip from yeah. Greece. And a, it really a chance was. Encounter. A chance encounter. Right. We're going to take another piece of music now. And I see we're still on the classical side because you've chosen some pop music as well. But we've got Mussorgsky, picture at an exhibition. And that famous ending, the grand, the great gate of Kiev. Is there a reason you've chosen Mussorgsky? Well, his music's so powerful and fills me just with that. Uh, I imagine, um, you know, the, the passion within the man mm -hmm. and also really great music to play at sea. I mean, it encompasses oh. the majesty of the ocean and the power of nature and how very small you feel when you're out there. <laughs> and his music makes me feel... Not small, that's the wrong word, but um, enveloped, surrounded. A lovely description. And this certainly will do that, the Great Gate of Kiev.
there's some spectacular orchestral sound for you. The full orchestra there in Ravel's transcription of Mussorgsky's piano piece pictured at an exhibition, The Great Gate of Kiev, and another choice of my guest on People of Note here on Fine Music Radio this week, Tracy Edwards, MBE, a British sailor in South Africa on her yacht Maiden with an all-girl crew, and as we're hearing, it's all about education and motivational speaking. But I just want to ask you quickly, having chosen those two pieces of music, is music important to you? Because you said that lovely thing about being out at sea and music like that can kind of envelop you and make you feel not quite so vulnerable. Well, absolutely. Uh, It's interesting that Maiden was the only boat with speakers on the deck. And I was very clear that when I, you know, when because we... We had to completely restore her when we mm-hmm. bought her. I mean, she was in a terrible state, so we gutted her, we redesigned her, and we built her how we wanted her to be built. I mean, women are not as strong as men. That's, you know, a fact. So we did have to redesign the deck. Um, so we have different PowerPoints, basically, you know, different ways that we get the best out of our physique. So that was an interesting process, actually. So you the, mean you the, des- the boat is designed specifically for women? Yeah. it's It's basically we... So men and women have different strength points, basically. Mm. And Mm. so we know what our strengths are. So that's how we designed the boat. And I think we probably designed down below to suit ourselves as well. And, you know, for certain comforts. And we did have speakers on the deck. I mean, they were welded into the deck. (laughs) Good. And all the other boats would be like, you've got music on deck. You're so lucky. Because it's so great to have it at sea. And everyone was allowed five cassettes each because of course it was a cassette player Mm -hmm. and what we played the music on was a car cassette player oh yes so we had a car cassette player in the boat (laughs) and in the nav station so i i pretty much had control over the music but everyone had sort of five tapes each and and when anyone go up on deck they put their tape in and you know we'd have stuff like the highway to the danger zone from top gun you know hooning through the southern ocean with you know that playing and very heroic and there's always there's you know music for whatever weather there is and you know becomes over the equator all absolutely boiling hot because maiden is made out of aluminium Ooh. and she's gray right so like a, a an attraction for the sun <laughs> so the days would be very hot and then you spend the night sort of cooling down but with no wind lying on the deck with not many clothes on looking up at a blanket of stars you know, oh and and playing something like Starry Starry Night, you know, oh, by Don that. McLean, you know, yeah. the um, about wow, Vincent. that sounds lovely. So yeah, so all of these different things. Mm-hmm. Um, so just tell me a little bit more about Maiden. Am I right in saying, didn't she come from the Seychelles, or wasn't she dumped in the Seychelles at one point? Before Bertie Reid got hold of her. Well, no, what, what happened was, so I found her in the Seychelles when I rescued her for the second time. Oh, this was the second yes. one in the Seychelles. Yes. Oh, okay. So she was initially designed and built for Pierre Fellman for the 81-82 race. She was called Disc Door 3. She was a revolutionary design. She was designed um, by Bruce Farr and not necessarily laughed at when she first went into the water, but everyone was fascinated by she's got a big wide bum. (laughs) And um, so she looked like um, like a surfboard. But of course now all the open 60s and the Amokas, they're all that design. But Mm -hmm. she was... She was quite revolutionary in in her day. She didn't do very well with Pierre Feldman. Well, she had a male crew. Um, (laughs) There we go. (laughs) We'll move on from that. (laughs) 
And then she was sailed around the world by Bertie Reed single-handed. Yeah, I cannot... Gosh. I mean, the man's totally nuts. I mean, as I say, total legend. But I can't imagine how he sailed around the world on his own. And then I bought her from Cape Town, from him. My goodness. And is she... How big is she? She's 58 feet. So that's quite big, isn't it? That's quite a big yacht, am I right? Yeah, I mean, she's sort of, if you think about the Whitbread Around the World race, she's sort of on the upper size end. Mm -hmm. And then from a comfort point of view, the cabin and downstairs and all that, all designed by women, so I'm sure it's rather special. Yeah, well, it was not really. (laughs) (laughs) Compact and bijou is probably the way to describe it. The race rules state that everyone must have a bunk, so, you know, there were 12 of us, we did 12 bunks, but they're pipe cots, you know, and they gimbaled so that when the boat is heeled over... You ha- literally, you have to, if the, everyone's sleeping on the other side of the boat, you have to go down and tack the crew and wake them all up in the middle of their off watch. No one's very happy at that happening. <laughs> but if you don't, then they all fall out of bed. So, you know, you sort of, you tack them to the other side of the boat and they pull themselves up on a pulley in a sort of a gimbaled bunk. Okay. And then you tack the boat. So then they roll over into the to hull side. Yes. Uh, so pretty uncomfortable, very basic. I mean, it's very, very basic. But it, does what it says on the tin. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's all you need. <laughs> that's all you need. And one large mast and a sail. Yes. Well, actually, we had 46 sails. Um, uh, that was the complete uh, suit of sails that we had. And we would probably take about 20 on each leg. Different combinations. Mm-hmm. You need different types of sails. Depending on where you were and yes. the winds and the, the prevailing weather. weather. Exactly. Yes, yes. Oh, okay. And has it always been stable? I can't bear those pictures of yachts that seem to be completely on their side and everyone pulling like mad on the other side. And I think, why can't you just be on an ocean liner enjoying a gin and tonic <laughs> in the lounge? <laughs> well, those are my thoughts now, obviously. Okay. But, um, but not when you were young Not when I was young, no. It's, there's something very exhilarating about being heeled over on your side and, you know, sort of s- slicing through the water. Mm. And big it's literally slicing, isn't it? it? Is. That's a lovely description. Yeah. And is it dangerous at that point when you are on your side? You have to be careful that it doesn't fall over. Well, it doesn't actually fall over. It would take so much for it to... I mean, you have a keel, heavy keel, you know, balancing things out. I see from pictures it's a very deep keel on Maiden. The most dangerous point of sail is when you're sailing downwind with the wind behind you with the spinnaker up. So you've seen the big sails at the front where you've often got logos and pictures. Yes, yes, yes. Um, So when you're sailing downwind with that sail up, you're very unsteady, and especially in a boat like Maiden because she's very much like a sled. She slides around a lot. You have to be so you have to concentrate so hard on what you're doing now if you do what's called a brooch then you can go over and then things can get very nasty you can break the mast and what is all, a brooch all sort of, a brooch is when you so that you you fill the wind at the wrong angle and it that huge power takes the boat over sideways oh. and it's it's violent and it can cause huge amount of damage you never want to do that and you haven't, that hasn't happened to you? We did a couple of brooches. Which <laughs> On very, Maiden? Yeah, very scary. Oh, shame. Yeah. My goodness me. I think we're going to have to have another piece of music. <laughs> I'm starting to feel seasick. <laughs> <laughs> so now your next piece of music is by Duran Duran. We don't often have Duran Duran. But now I must just say that um, Tracy Edwards here has, because of rights and all that, she's actually phoned Simon Le Bon from the studio to ask if we can play this track. And he said, yes. Grey Lady of the Sea. Is this special to you, apart from the title? It is 
the title is a total coincidence. The reason I love this song so much is that when I did the 85-86 race on Atlantic Privateer, Simon Le Bon also did that race on his boat Drum. And uh, we, the crews were quite close. We had a, quite a lot of partying together, but let's not go there. <laughs> and I just was so bowled over with his passion for, you know, his sailing. And Duran Duran was at its peak at the time. And here's him off sailing around the world with the lads, you know, and d- going through everything that they went through. Then he writes this beautiful song about sailing and about the ocean. And it, it all of us love, all anyone who's done that race loves this song because it just says everything about, and it's his experience of sailing and his boat and the wind. And it's just, it's fabulous.
I don't think I've ever had to back announce Duran Duran before, mm-hmm. possibly in my life, <laughs> Tracy. And that song, Grey Lady of the Sea, Duran Duran. And it was another choice of my guest, Tracy Edwards, MBE. Now, you must have been rather chuffed with an MBE, let's face it. I was, and uh, I think my mother was... I mean, my mother always believed in me, but I, I mean, she must have had moments of <laughs> doubt as I went through my various you know, stages of nightmare. Um, but being able to take her to Buckingham Palace... Oh, what a lovely thing to do. ...with my brother yes. to get my MBE, and I remember her looking across at me going... How the hell did this happen? <laughs> no <laughs> idea. With the MBE, do you still get, you go to the Queen and yeah. is it a sword thing? Or? No, that's uh, next level up. I haven't quite got there yet. Oh, I need MBE. I need some sort of promotion before I get there. <laughs> um, no, uh, it's... Um, How do she, they do the MBEs? Where she pins the, the Oh, she pins it onto you. On that's you. right, yes. And, um, and says a few words. I met, well, I've met the Queen a number of times. Uh, what an, uh, just an extraordinary lady with the same height, um, you know, which is very yes, interesting. Yes. But her ability to speak to people and make them feel comfortable and and her memory, you know, because I think the third term I'm third time I met her, she didn't have the person whispering in her ear, she said, Tracy. And now have we done many more sea miles since the last time I saw you? <laughs> really? You know, yeah. Good just grief. extraordinary. Miss her terribly, actually. Oh yes, it was. Isn't it funny? Many people it was an awful death. She just seemed to be there forever. She was like our grandmother. She was the grandmother of the nation. I think as well, a psychologist explained it very well because I was really surprised that I couldn't stop crying. I didn't stop crying for a week. And every time I thought, right, that's it. I've got it out of my system. I'd see something else on television, like Princess Anne following the, you know, her, her coffin, and that would be, I would be off again. But it, was, it wasn't just my age group. It was across the board. Mm. Um, and, and non-monarchists, you know, were, said, you know, I actually feel quite sad as well. And I heard it explained that we link this tragedy to losses we've had, personal losses, um, and it makes it more, you know, acute, more intense. Mm-hmm. And my mum loved the Queen so much that I guess it reminded me of her and uh, losing her. So, yeah. What a wonderful thing to have happened to your mum to take her into Buckingham Palace. And is she in the same room as you with the Queen and yes, all that? Yes, they sit and watch it. So, wow. Yeah. And I would love to go into Buckingham Palace, but let's not go there. <laughs> um, what I wanted to say, talking about royalty, you met King Hussein of Jordan, King Hussein I, when you were in the United States. Now, that seems also to have had a big impact on your life. Well, without King Hussein, Maiden would not have happened. It's as simple oh, really? as that. Is yeah. that so? Uh, so I met him when I was 21. I was a stewardess on a charter yacht, and we just got on really well and I know people go you got on with the king you know but he was he was what I would call a people collector he loved human beings in whatever shape or form they came Um, you know he was a true humanist and uh, his extraordinary ability to be a diplomat and a peacemaker come came from that you know and his total belief in people was quite extraordinary and when he died I went to the memorial service in London and I found myself standing next to a man and I turned and I said so what's your link with King Hussein he said oh I am I met him in my garden shed in Norway I'm like really what? he said yes I'm a ham radio operator so oh dear, something to do with King radios, Hussein isn't there? Was, yes. was a ham radio you know um, enthusiast, enthusiast uh-huh. and and he speaks to people all over the world and um, and he, as I say, he collected people, and so we got on really well. And he literally gave me his phone number at the palace in in Amman in Jordan, and said, you know, give me a call and keep me updated with your adventures and your plans. Uh, so he followed 
when we were doing Atlantic Privacy, he followed that. And when I got back, I said, I want to do this all-female crew. And he he helped with, you know, some bits and pieces as I went along. But then when I got to the point where I could not find a sponsor who believed that women could sail around the world <laughs> without killing themselves, he said, oh, this is ridiculous. Royal Jordanian Airlines will, will be your sponsor. And that's why she's the beautiful colour she is. She's the grey with the red and gold stripes because that's the Royal Jordanian Airlines oh, planes. I'm going to come down. How long will she be in harbour? She'll be here till the end of, of January. So come down and I'm going to come uh, down. Then I'll go into the hotel table. It's a lovely setting yes. there that you've yep. got your along. I'm definitely going to come and have a look. Now, the thing I wanted to ask you was Maiden I read somewhere that you had to mortgage your property because I mean buying a boat cannot be cheap it wasn't well I just realized about two years into the project that you know we weren't getting to where we needed to get and we couldn't find the money and no one believed in us and I thought maybe people have got to see something solid and that maybe I've got to put my money where I'm you know can't expect other people to front up unless I do first so I remortgaged my house to buy the boat and then we remortgaged the boat to pay for the refit. I mean, we had a bank manager who must have been in a straitjacket after the time we'd finished with him. I mean, you couldn't do that today. Um, but, you know, things were a lot crazier in those days. And and so, um, yeah, and that is, I think, one of the things that triggered some small sponsorships that we got in. And then that's what was so frustrating. And the king said to me, look, this is crazy. You've, you've got to... You've You've got to do this. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. What I, I'm a bit confused about is, did you actually sell Maiden uh, where she became sort of beaten up in the Seychelles? Yeah. So I sold her at the end of the race because we still had no money. So I had to pay the final wages. So I sold Maiden. I mean, it's heartbreaking. Mm. And I went on to do other all-female crews, first non-stop round-the-world record attempt with an all-female crew. Then I did the first ever mixed-gender uh, professional sailing team, six men, six women. Um, and uh, that hasn't been done since. Can you believe it? I mean, it's just such an uphill battle. And all the time I was doing that, I kind of knew where she was. She looked How did you know where she was? People would say, oh, I saw Maiden in such and such a place. She's looking a little bit sad. Oh, okay. And okay. Uh, oh, God, okay. I, I can't think about it until the marina in the Seychelles emailed me and said, did you know your boat's been here for two years and she's rotting away? And if nothing happens, we're going to take her out and sink her because she's not even worth scrap metal. Oh, heartbreaking. What did you do? So I called, all, I called all the rest of the team. I don't know how. We've got to raise money. We've got to buy her. You know, no man left behind. Man down. So um, we did crowdfunding. I'd never heard of crowdfunding before, but uh. the rest of the crew were like, oh, yeah, crowdfunding. So, yeah, two months we raised the money to, to buy her back. Again, I mean, this is the second time we bought this boat. Did you sail her to England? No, she was in a terrible state. So oh, I flew so down to the Seychelles. I was going to sail her back. Mm-hmm. And I went, uh, no, I actually would like to live a lot longer, so I'm not going to be sailing her back. <laughs> and then I had a call from Princess Haya, King Hussein's daughter. King Hussein sadly died in 1999. Princess Haya had heard that I was re- rescuing Dad's boat, as she put it. And she said, what can I do to help? And she paid for the shipping back to the UK wow. and the restoration. She said, if I don't, Dad will come and haunt me. <laughs> so You've had a lucky life, Tracy. I have. I've a been very life. lucky, yes. Yeah. And I do. Hey, have got family. I, I, you've got a daughter, haven't you? I have a daughter. Yeah. How does she put up with a mother like you? I mean, how did I your mother put ab- up with you? Uh, well, <laughs> I, well, that's a whole different question. Yeah, no, Mac is. Uh, she's she's her own person. 
Um, like you. She's um, very much, well, she's quieter than me. I'm quite <laughs> loud, in case you hadn't noticed. Um, she tends to be uh, quieter, but she's very strong-willed. Um, and I think, you know, the first thing people would say to her when they met her was, oh, you're going to be a sailor like mummy. She'd be like, no. <laughs> she's an artist. She's she's uh, much more sort of arty and, you know, okay. she's Sagittarius. I'm Virgo. So um, I'm Libra. She's followed her own path in life, and um, she's training to be a chef at the moment. Oh, so, that's great! Yeah. But I see here lurking. I wanted to mention this: you studied for a degree in psychology while coaching high achievers in business, the arts, film, and sport. So you do, in fact, have many strings to a bow, don't you? Actually, well, I thought. You know, I should get an education at some point. Yes. Waffling on about it enough. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, no, it's quite uh, when I got my um, when I graduated from university as a very mature student. Um, Mum was just uh, on her way out at that point. So um, that was the, one of the final things that I could tell her. So that was but what a cool. lovely on her way out gift to your mother, the Buckingham Palace thing and your your degree. <laughs> what a wonderful way she must have slipped off this mortal coil. Yeah. Tracy, we're gonna have to stop. I'd love to ask you all sorts of technical questions. <laughs> no, I wouldn't because I wouldn't know what to. But this last piece we're going to play, Fantasy by Gilska. There's a family connection there, isn't there? Tell me what we're going to hear. Yeah, so Gilska is my daughter's best friend. They went to school together and she is an up-and-coming artist. She writes her own songs. She plays the instruments. She produces. And her voice is its another voice that makes me cry when I, when I hear it. Um, this particular record, it's the first one she brought out. She brings out one a month on streaming things that I don't understand. Um, <laughs> but it's it's stunningly beautiful. It's very evocative. And although I've never had the opportunity to play it at sea, I know that this is a record and I know that I exactly where I would play it in the ocean um, and how it would make me feel. So, yeah, Fantasy by Jilska. Well, this is going to be our last piece. So you're flying back. You're not going on the boat, are you, Maiden? You're not? No, they don't let me. <laughs> what? What do you mean they don't let you? No, I'm, I'm joking. Um, no, I, I fly these days. Um, oh, okay. And I leave other people to do the sailing. But you missed, missed sailing, surely. Surely every now and again you jump on Maiden and go for a little yeah. spin. Anyway, Tracy Edwards, MBE, it's been great chatting to you. And thanks for sharing so much about your extraordinary life. Thank you. Even being a naughty girl that was expelled. <laughs> and we're going to end now with this piece, Fantasy by Gilska. Tracy Edwards, thank you. Thank you so much.
People of Note on Fine Music Radio was proudly brought to you by Peter Turin Productions. Music